Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Revelation chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Section 1. Dates. Chapter 1.1. Devil's Breath. The Santa Fe sky looked strange for July 13th really strange. In early June, a thick blanket of gray clouds had rolled in and choked out the turquoise summer ceiling, every last sliver of blue. Then it stayed too long, making the locals feel tense and trapped. To make matters worse, just that morning, vapory fingers the color of dried blood had appeared and began crawling across the underbelly of the cloud bank like the hand of God trying to escape the valley. A black Maserati pulled up to the Horseman's Haven Cafe at the edge of town, the dark clouds reflecting off its glass. The cafe owner gawked at the dark beauty, wondering who sat behind the wheel. He knew all the pricey cars in town, but this gem was new. A driver emerged, wearing a custom-cut suit and black Italian shoes. The glossy leather gathered up pink New Mexico dust as he walked, like it was raspberry sugar. Inside the cafe, the driver ordered hot tea with honey to go. When he pulled out his wallet to pay, a yellow post-it note fell to the ground. No, he whispered, frantically scooping it up before a breeze from the door could steal it away. He cradled the paper against his heart, closed his eyes, and exhaled. It held the name of his next victim, his savior, and this name, this year, more than any of the others, was priceless. Andy Scoggin, the yellow paper read, a matching address in indigo ink looped below the name. He rubbed the paper between his thumb and forefinger seven times, then carefully slid it back in his wallet between the bills. Andy Scoggin huddled with the debate team on the high school's sidewalk, squinting up at the strange cloud formation and chewing a thumbnail. What is that? She asked the sporadically pierced, sporadically friendly, Jessica Flynn. If you had to describe it accurately, like in a courtroom or on a police report, what would you say? Looks like the hand of the angel of death, searching for someone to strangle, said Jess. Andy shook her head. Too supernatural. Can't use it. What else? Um, I don't know. Creepy fog fingers, maybe? Web of toxic waste? Better, Andy said. But you'd have to prove the toxic waste. Jess kept folding and unfolding the boarding pass in her hand. What is taking so long? She said. Why aren't we leaving? The rest of the debate team fidgeted beside a sun-bleached school bus 
laughing decibels louder than normal, as they reenacted last night's boxing match at the Santa Fe Indian School. Great Grant broke away from the group, sauntered up and leaned into Jess. You know, the writing doesn't change, no matter how many times you look at it. Fly much, Flynn? He patted her on the back. Shut it, Gordo. Jess shoved the paper in her messenger bag and pretended to scratch her face with her middle finger. Great Grant smiled wide. Don't fight it, Flynn. I know you secretly want me, just like Scoggin here. He put his arms around both girls. But there's plenty of me to go around. No need to fight, ladies. Andy and Jess both twisted out from under his arms in a well-choreographed move. Grant rubbed his belly. And the minute I get off that plane, I'm going to feed the need with a fully loaded Philly cheesesteak. That's going to be the best part of this trip. Andy shook her head. So winning a national title that you spent years working for doesn't light your match? It's just all about the food. Quiet now. Focus. Great Grant pressed his fingers to his temples and closed his eyes. Mounds of steak, barely pink in the middle. Tender, juicy, just a touch of salt. Now bite. Mmm. Tastes just like Frenching Angela Morales. Jess shook her head and said, Cretan. Coach Jensen the Beloved emerged from the bus with the driver. All right, debaters, time to go. Bring your luggage to the back and then check in with me. Andy handed off her bag, then dug a white envelope out of her backpack. It was plump with babysitting money. Mr. Jensen, here's the last 200, as promised. Ah, he smiled as she laid the envelope in his hand. What a relief. My best player will be in the game after all. Andy nodded. And to that point, his eyes shined, I've decided that even though you'll just be a junior, I'm making you captain next year. She hesitated, squinting, reading his face. Are you being serious? You wouldn't joke about something like that with me, would you, Mr. Jensen? Not joking. You've more than earned it. He tapped his clipboard and smiled. I've never had a student quite so motivated before. She looked him square in the eyes. Thank you, Coach. You have no idea what this means to me. To my life. You're welcome, Miss Scoggin. He held up a finger. But keep it quiet, okay? At least until fall. I don't need dissension in the ranks at nationals. Andy nodded quickly and said, Of course. Then rejoined her friends, a grin growing on her face. Great Grant said, Holy crap, Scoggin, what did he say to you? I've never seen you smile that big, ever. I can actually see your molars. He peered and pointed, And you got a little spinach right there. She slapped away his hand. He didn't say anything. Andy tried to dim her joy, but the smile kept climbing back up her cheeks. I just can't wait to get going. Just then, a patchwork-painted Honda wheezed into the parking lot, swerved, and screeched to a halt with one wheel on the curb. Every student, teacher, and parent turned to look at the asthmatic car. 
Then they turned and stared at Andy. The smile slid from her face and shattered on the sidewalk. No, she whispered. Jess mumbled, incoming. A Medusa-haired woman emerged from the car wearing pajama pants with grass stains on the knees. She crossed herself, mumbled, and strode into the parting crowd. Andy stepped behind Great Grant and ducked. The woman said something low and quiet to Coach Jensen. His brow crumpled as he answered. Then she leaned forward, her hands and mouth moving faster and faster. Jensen shook his head and argued back until the woman shouted, You have no right. None. Now give me the money. Jensen hesitated, slowly bent, then pulled Andy's envelope from his carry-on. The scrawny woman folded the envelope, tucked it in her bra, then spun and strode back through the crowd. Without looking at Andy, she barked, Let's go. Andy stood still, hoping the woman would leave without her, but the cemetery green grass stains revealed where she'd spent the morning and the mood she'd be in because of it. Now, Andy, she shouted. Like her gut had been yanked by a bungee cord, Andy lurched from behind Grant's shoulders. She followed the woman, glaring at the ground, heat rising in her cheeks. When they reached the Honda, Andy said, Mom, wait. The woman turned. I'm not going with you. Andy worked hard to keep her voice steady. Don't argue, Andy. Just get in. No, I won't. Andy widened her stance, like Jensen had taught her in debate class. I need to go to nationals, and I need to win. Your idea of what you do or don't need never ceases to amaze me. Get in the car, she snapped her fingers. Andy breathed deep to calm her mind, find a lever to pull. You can't take the trip money I earned. It's mine, and taking it would be blatant stealing. She hesitated, then slowly and carefully served up. That's a sin. You'll have to go to confession. Liz Scoggin breathed out and slowly eased her hands onto her hips. Oh, don't you dare. Andy held strong. If you don't let me go, I'll make a scene in front of all these people. I'll tell them, she whispered, disdain lacing her words. And I know how that terrifies you. Liz leaned forward. Honor thy father and mother, little girl. The disturbing scent of beer and cherry cough syrup bathed Andy's face. End of discussion, Liz said. Andy leaned away from the stench and said, I'm pretty sure your so-called God wasn't talking about mothers like you when he made that statement. For having taken her medicine, Liz was surprisingly quick. But before her shoulders had visibly flinched, her hand was making contact with Andy's face. The crack of skin on skin echoed like a breaking branch across the parking lot. After the initial shock of the blow passed, Andy reflexively cradled her face to ease the sting. Then her mind connected to what had happened and how many witnesses had seen the event. 
Hot panic rose in her body, and the edges of her sight blurred. A voice, sounding like it belonged to someone else, gargled up from her mother's throat. Get in. You're driving. Andy glared at her mother as adrenaline prickled her lips. It was like looking in a future mirror, and the face glaring back turned her stomach. Liz's once iridescent hazel eyes were now just dilated black dots, two periods at the end of years of lies and private pain. The heavy silence of the crowd behind Andy screamed with arguments of do's and don'ts, why's and why nots, stop, go, innocence, guilt. Andy listened for a few moments, debating with herself. Then she stepped forward and slapped her mother back. 1.2. Stripped. Mother and daughter stood staring at each other. Same dishwater blonde hair. Same Scandinavian cheekbones. Same suppressed terror in their eyes at what had just happened. You okay, Andy? Mr. Jensen approached. Uh, I'm fine, Andy muttered, tamping down the emotion in her voice. I just need my suitcase. The drive home was eerily quiet. The jangle of empty cough syrup bottles on the back seat and a primal wailing from the A.C. were the only sounds in the car. Andy leaned into the cool air, trying to quell the angry heat in her cheeks and chest. After passing the third light and fourth animal hospital on Cerrillos, Liz finally broke the silence. Will he call anyone? she asked flatly. Andy thought for a moment, then gave a brisk. No. Liz leaned into the door, rubbing her forehead. What about the others? Will they? Good question. In the eyes of the jury, had striking her mother back recast the crime scene from a police-alerting abusive mother and victim-child incident to simply a good old-fashioned family tiff? not worthy of anyone's notice, like Andy had intended. Andy let out a tired sigh and said, I honestly don't know. Mother and daughter pushed through the peeling screen door of their double-wide mobile home, then both stopped in their tracks, like they'd hit a wall. Shane Scoggins sat at the kitchen table, mindlessly strangling a coffee cup and gazing out the window. Dad... What are you doing here? Andy said. Shane worked weekdays at a pistachio farm in Alamogordo. He was never home on a Wednesday. Shadows circled her father's pale eyes, and his blonde shag stuck to his head in a sweaty hat hair ring. He didn't answer. Liz cleared her throat. Your dad's got news, but he wants to tell everyone at once, she said then drank from the stained orange sippy cup that held her addiction. Are you sick? Andy was always terrible at waiting for answers. Shane stared at the sugar. He's not sick, Liz answered for him, again. Did Rodriguez give you the day off for once? Andy said. On any other day, insulting Shane's obese boss would have sentenced her to a lecture 
and two I'm-disappointed-in-you stares. But on that morning, his eyes just drifted back out the window, like she wasn't even there. Dad, she touched his arm, you okay? Stop interrogating your father and go call everyone for lunch, Liz said. Andy didn't look at or even acknowledge her mother. She just turned, walked down the hall, knocked doors, and shouted, I'll rise, as loud as she could. One by one, the Scoggin kids tumbled to the kitchen and claimed their chairs. Fourteen-year-old Luke slid into the green vinyl and chrome. He wore headphones that were thumping a heavy beat. Steffi, nine, took the wooden toll painted across from Luke. With her head in a book, she hadn't even noticed her father sitting beside her. Jenna, a newly minted adult at 18, tucked two-year-old Emma into the high chair, then took a seat on the white wooden teeter. Andy took the black plastic sparkle next to Shane. Can we make this quick? The salon just called, Jenna said, twisting her chestnut hair into a knot. She stuck a ballpoint pen through it, and a new streak of green fell from the bundle. They need my new hire paperwork. They can wait. This is important. Liz yanked Luke's headphones from his head. Off. Now. Luke slumped in his chair. Liz cleared her throat. Your father has news. Everyone looked to Shane and waited, but he didn't move. He just stared at the sickly sky. Your father lost his job today, Liz blurted impatiently. Her words were still crisp, the sippy cup her first of the day. So we have to cut back. Steffi, I'm sorry, but we can't do Chuck E. Cheese's for your birthday. Steph looked up as her book dropped. What happened? Andy asked. Liz raised her hand. It doesn't matter what happened, Andy. What matters is what has to change around here as a result. Well, will you at least tell us why, Dad? Liz responded, Andy, don't push. You've already pushed too much today. Andy twisted in her seat, her cheek throbbing. Dad, tell us why you were fired. It's that white fungus. Shane's voice was thin and distant. Strange, taking over like that so fast. The entire pistachio crop gone in two days. That's impossible, right? Liz took another swig. Jenna starts her new job on Monday and has agreed to help out, but we'll still be hurting. Jenna shot Andy her usual, there's more to tell, look. And until your father finds another job, Andy, you'll need to quit whatever it is you're doing for free at that law firm and go to work full time. Contribute. What? Andy gave her father a panicked look. You're joking, right? Do we look like we're joking? Liz answered. I can't. I won't. Ah, uh, yes, you can, Liz said, and will. Andy glared. You can't make me. You have no right. We have every right. 
You're a minor, and we're your parents. A sharp ache razored up Andy's throat. She breathed deep, trying to bury it. Dad, she leaned towards Shane. I need their recommendation to get a scholarship. You know I'll never be able to afford college without one. Shane opened his mouth to speak. Liz cut him off. It's more important that we can afford to eat right now. Pay the power bill, the gas. Liz exhaled, long and slow. Look, just cooperate for once in your entire life, Andy. Besides, after what happened today, you'd think you'd... Andy shot her mother a red, warning glare. What happened today? Luke asked, perking up at his sister's reaction. Nothing, Luke. Eat your Cheetos, Liz said. Anyway, Vicky at K&H said she can get you on at Whispering Mountain Maids. Her brother's their tax guy. I won't miss my most important scholarship year being a maid. They're making me debate captain, the youngest debate captain ever. Dad! She looked to Shane. His eyes finally moved from the window to her face. Andy leaned towards her father and whispered, Promise me. Promised, Liz answered for him too quickly. Andy exhaled, exhausted by her mother's constant stream of perjury. You better come through for me this time, she threatened Liz. For all of us. Liz rose from the table, opened the freezer, and tossed her daughter a bag of frozen peas. Here, you're swelling. Andy stared at the bag in her lap as threads of anger stitched through her lungs, then tightened. Slowly, she tried to take a breath, but couldn't. Then she rose from her chair. Wait, young lady, you haven't even touched your sandwich. I didn't just make it for kicks. Andy's mind screamed with rebuttals, the loudest having to do with shoving the aforementioned lunch somewhere dark and deep in a body cavity. But she knew how it would play out if she did, so she said nothing. She just went to her room and closed the door. Andy curled up on her bed facing the wall she'd papered with carefully selected magazine photos, images of other people's lives a man and woman riding a black stallion surrounded by acres of California poppies, a dinner party in the middle of a large greenhouse filled with orchids, peonies, sparkling lights, and sparkling people. She pulled her comforter over her head and then flipped open her phone to dial the one number that always gave her comfort, the one belonging to her best friend in the world, Christoph Belikov. But then she stopped herself, if she called in her uber-angry state, she'd end up getting loud and sharing everything she felt through the tissue-thin walls of the mobile home. Too much disclosure always brought on the crazy from Liz. So Andy flapped the phone closed and leaned against the cool bag of peas. Someone tapped on the door. She didn't answer. Weary hinges creaked, and the weight of a man eased onto the edge of her bed. A warm hand rested on her shoulder. Andy peeled the blanket from her head, but didn't look up. Talk to me, Goose, Shane whispered, then waited for Andy's usual movie-line smile. Top Gun almost always got a smile, but she didn't give him what he wanted this time. He squeezed her arm. 
You okay? I'm physically intact, if that's what you mean. No, he said quietly. That's not what I mean. Andy focused on the BMW ad on her wall. A blonde woman in a tennis skirt with thoroughbred legs and a ten-carat diamond stepped from the car. Next to her was a tall, Rolexed man with skin as smooth as polished tile. Not a worry line anywhere. Shane wiggled Andy's hand. Everything's gonna be okay, Sonny. You're gonna be okay. His eyes hung at half-mast. She squared her shoulders, looked at him, and asked, Why do you stay with her? She's completely useless. As a mother, a wife, a person even. If I told you what she did to me today, what she's done, you'd... His smile slowly faded. Andy, I know you're disappointed about your debate trip. He rubbed his thumb over the school mascot drawn on her hand with blue ink. But it's not your mother's fault that I lost my job. Andy rolled back over. You'll have another chance to get your dream. I know you will, Shane said. Andy reached up and rubbed the red felt Stanford pennant on her wall, the one Shane gave her the day he learned Sandra Day O'Connor, Andy's idol, had gone to Stanford. Twice. She was twelve. And even then, Shane knew the pennant was probably the only piece of her dream he'd be able to afford. My dream. Is that what you think? This is about me? Of course it's your dream. Who else in this family would want to be a lawyer? She shook her head. He would never understand. Never mind. What time is it? I'm exhausted. Time for a nap? Not that kind of exhausted. She curled her legs tighter, almost into a fetal position. You're losing me again, Sonny. Sometimes I think I'm the only one who cares about getting us out of this hole of a life. She's supposed to be the parent, and all she does is get in the way. It's like she wants us to be hiding and smashed into this dirty box for the rest of our lives. Andy, stop. Shane's voice dropped. I need to make it to college and be someone, Dad. Someone with enough power to dig us out of this mess for good. Someone that isn't her. Shane sat quiet, listening, then gently said, You know, you're more like her than you think. Andy twisted to face him. Don't ever say that to me again. If I have to hear about her off-the-charts SAT scores or her idiotic unused French scholarship to Princeton again, I'm going to throw up. I am nothing like that colossal waste of a life. Andy, you don't mean that. She pushed up her glasses. Oh, yes, I do, and it's entirely accurate. Shane exhaled slowly. Just keep the peace for now, okay, sunny girl? Do what she asks. It's easier that way for everyone. She thought for a moment, then said, I will, if you ask for your job back, okay? I don't think I can fix things around her if you don't. 
Shane went quiet for several seconds, then said, I wish I could. But I wasn't really fired because of the crops. His eyes flitted around the room, eventually landing on the pink magnifying glass and stack of detective books on Steffi's nightstand. Rodriguez knows. He cleared his throat. I saw him talking to a guy in a black suit at the farm today. Then right after that, he fired me. Told me someone knew, and he couldn't risk it. Andy pressed the cold piece to her cheek and closed her eyes. So, someone from ICE knows about us? No, no. He covered for me. How do you know? I just know. He's a good one. You're too trusting, Dad. They're gonna find you and take you. And I can't do this by myself. Her voice cracked. He kissed the top of her hand. That won't happen, my sonny girl. Just you wait and see. Have a little hope. Andy exhaled, rolled back over, and covered her head with the blanket. I thought that the devil was all I had So I prayed to God 